Andrew, thank you. And um, Andrew and Mandy, thank you for just welcoming us as a family during this time. We, we've loved our time with you over the last few weeks. And as Andrew said, we, we're in a, uh, a place of transition right now as a family. We're not entirely sure as to uh, where this next stage lies or, 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 or what it particularly, particularly looks like. We, we thought we knew what it might look like. Um, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. But um, we needed a place to come and to, to be and to a place also where I wasn't bumping into lots of people I know who, who are continually asking me, you know, what are you doing or how are things going? And, and uh, so I just want you to know that we have felt really blessed being with you over these last few weeks. We have felt this to, uh, to be a safe place. We have felt this to be an authentic place of worship. And um, uh, so thank you for that. And um, wouldn't it be great if, uh, if we find that we continue to be able to worship with you? Uh, we, we, would, we would love that. But ultimately, that's not in our hands. Um, just very briefly, um, uh, by way of introduction, in terms of, of a little bit of what we've done over the years. We, we've, we, like, like all of you, we've just tried to uh, serve God. Um, uh, like Andrew, initially, I was ordained in the Church of England. And, um, and over the years, actually, ministry has, has, has at times been quite conventional. So the past seven years, seven plus years, I've been a chaplain with a school and also a vicar looking after a little village church. And, uh, and, 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 and so that's been so very traditional. Previously, we were as a family in Canada. Janice, my wife, is Canadian. Uh, and um, we were living out in Canada for eight years. And out there, we were doing something very different. We, our ministry uh, that we sort of got up and running was focused on, on connecting with people out in the community, um, running courses in coffee bars that um, enable people just to sort of explore Christianity, uh, helping leaders in business to think more deeply about what it really means to, to lead and to offer Christian principles when it comes to leadership, things like that. But actually, the most, the most precious part of that ministry was, um, was time spent with uh, people who were homeless and people with uh, drug addiction. And about 50% of our time was spent um, downtown in the city we lived, out in the park where people used to shoot up and um, that was a fantastic uh, part of uh, our ministry out there. And um, God never uh, ceases to amaze you, does he? Because, because, you know, I had this idea of the team of people I'd want to, to bring with me into the park. And you certainly would be one of the guys because you're a big guy, big, strong guy. <laughs> and, um, but this was my dream team that ended up going into the park every week. It, 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 there were three of us. One of uh, the team was an 80-year-old lady called Marin Lamarche. And, um, and, and she was just full on for God, and she wanted to wash everyone's feet, and, um, and, and, but she was so faithful in coming into that park with me and serving these, uh, these very special people. And then, and then the other member of our team, as I said, we call it the dream team, was a guy who'd walk like this, because when he was at university, he had a brain hemorrhage, which affected one side of his body. His name was Greg. And again, faithfully came into that park. And that was us. We were the dream team. So out in Canada, we did stuff that was sort of slightly different. Before that, we, um, we ran a ministry called Fit Lives, which was going into health and leisure facilities, places like um, 
Virgin Active and, and um, David Lloyd's and whatever. And again, sort of taking, taking Christianity into a sort of inverted commas, a secular setting and um, connecting with people in that setting. And that was a ministry that got up and running and still does to this day, but in a different format to how we set off. So that gives you an idea of, of, of the sort of stuff that we've done over the years. And, um, you know, and as I say, we, we, we sort of, we had a clear idea as to, as to what this next stage looked like. And over the past year, year and a half, uh, along with um, what I was doing with the school and the church, I also did some further study up at Brooks University. Um, I studied inter- international law. And, um, and that was all connected to, 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 to where we sensed we were going. But right now, we've, 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 we've not seen what we were wanting to see happen. And as I stand and speak to you this morning, I don't think I've ever spoken to a group of people where I have felt most weak, actually. Um, so I speak to you today, not from a place of strength, but from a real place of weakness and vulnerability. Because right now, as I look at my life, and I look at some of the decisions I've made, particularly over these past few months, as a dad, as a husband, as someone who's really sought to serve God and listen to God, along with my dear wife, and you know, along with the encouragement of, of others, of course, not just simply out on our own. You know, it's hard. It's, it's it, right now. Uh, there's a there's there's a deep sense within me that actually, um, yeah, I, I to some extent I feel a failure. So, my message today is particularly to those of you in this room who feel right now that you are in the desert, that you're in the wilderness, and that as you look at your life. It's just not going as how you envisaged it was meant to be going at this point in time. And you're probably sitting here just being disillusioned and wondering what on earth something of your life at this moment in time is all about. Now, there might be others of you sitting here right now thinking, Gina, that's not me. I can switch off. (laughs) And by all means, do switch off. But I suspect if that's not you now, you would have been there. Or if that's not you now, you will be there at some point in your life. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we look at the biblical characters, they all were there at some point. And it's fascinating, isn't it? Again and again and again, when you look at those biblical characters, Moses, you know, 40 years of being that shepherd in the desert, when you've been brought up in the royal household, before God calls you. What years? Joseph. Joseph. Joseph, who did the right thing before God in fleeing from Potiphar's wife, only to find that he is then thrown in prison. And then the guy that he helps, who promises him, he's going to, you know, remind Pharaoh about, forgets. So he's in prison for another two years. And, you know, we can, we, can, we can go on. We can list so many. But it just seems to me that, that within our lives, there are those seasons, there are those times when we either find ourselves in that desert, that wilderness experience, sometimes because of the mistakes we've made, 
And right now, I might have made some really serious mistakes. I suspect I have. But sometimes, also, because actually sometimes that's where God takes us. And it's interesting, isn't it, that before Jesus did anything in his ministry, that was the place that God took him. And we know in part because actually when we find ourselves in that place of nothing, of want, of just... Perhaps that's when God can use us, greatest of all. So I was drawn to Elijah. And forgive me if, if someone else has spoken about Elijah recently. Um, but I just felt that God placed Elijah on my heart in the context of what I've just shared. And I just want to just pick out one or two things. Um, and... You, I'm sure you all will know the story of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet called by God back in the Old Testament times, probably about five, six hundred, seven hundred years before uh, the birth of Christ. And he was called particularly to speak out against um, the people of Israel and the king of Israel who, who, were, who, who were beginning to worship false gods, particularly the, the, the false god Baal. And you might have grown up hearing the story of Elijah where uh, Elijah confronts these prophets on Mount Carmel. And I always love, I always love the name of that mountain because I always sort of remember it as, as, as Mount Caramel. That's how I sort of remember Carmel. <laughs> and um, and you, I'm sure you remember that incredible scene where, where he, he, he calls those prophets of Baal um, and he tells them to set up uh, their altar. And he says, okay, you know, you've, you've come to worship this prophet Baal all right, let's just see who is the real God. You call on Baal. And let's see if, if, if your God will ignite this, this, um, this altar. And so we read how they slash their, their, their wrists and have a shout and do all sorts of things. And, you know, and Elijah's over there saying, you know, is your God a bit, a bit sleepy right now? And, 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 and starts sort of teasing them. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then Elijah gets his altar. And he puts the, the, the ball on, on, on top. And, but one of the things that, that, that is really significant is that he places the 12 stones around the altar, which represents the 12 tribes of Israel. And in essence, he's doing that to remind himself of God's faithfulness over the years to his people Israel. And he goes and chucks loads and loads of water on his altar to make it even harder for God to ignite it. And then I love the scene too where we read how he just simply prays. He simply prays. He doesn't shout. doesn't dance around. He just simply prays. The altar lights up. And so we read of this amazing victory that represents such incredible faith of this man. So inspiring. But this is the part that I wanted to go on to this morning, because again, it really connects with this place of being in the wilderness. Because after that amazing victory, again, many of you will know what happens. You'd think that, you'd think that Elijah would go on from there and he would... 
you know, just, just, just feel fantastic and, and everything would sort of move forward. Well, not at all. Not at all. Elijah catches, uh, catches wind that um, uh, Ahab's wife, uh, Jezebel, is wanting to uh, kill him. And suddenly, this man of great faith flees for his life. And that faith turns into fear. And one of the things just to, I think, just to, just to be aware of, and this is not always the case at all, so I don't think we should for one moment live sort of paranoid in relation to this, but one thing to, to remember is that when you experience great victory, particularly when it comes to the spiritual realm, watch out, be aware, make sure you place that protection around you, your loved ones, because you will know that the old devil will want all the more to destroy all those good things that God has done. But we read this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. This is 1 Kings 19. Everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods... So sorry, I should, I, Janice has told me for Asia I should have glasses. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom, um, a, a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Does that resonate? Is anyone here? I'm not expecting you to put up your hand. But is anyone here right now who feels like that? You've given your all. You've seen some amazing things happen. But at this precise moment, or perhaps you remember a time in the past, might be a time in the future, you're just in that place of, what on earth is this all about? I feel so confused. I just, I feel like giving up. And now, if that is you, I just want to say to you, that's okay. That's okay to feel like that. Because I think one of the dangers within the Christian journey is that at times we, we are made to feel, sometimes it's us making ourselves feel this, so it's not, it's not always other people, but sometimes other people can make us feel. Sometimes we're made to feel that we've always got to be okay. You know, that, that as Christians, we have this victory. And, 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 you know, we've got, to sort of, we've got to live that out. But actually, we just look at the 
those who've gone before us in the Bible. Elijah just being one of so many who themselves reached that point where they gave up or felt like giving up. And so if that's where you are right now, that's okay. And I hope you have a sort of relationship with God where you can just tell him exactly what you think and what you're feeling. Because if he is our father, which the Bible tells us he is, then as a dad <coughs> with three daughters, I would want them to tell me exactly what they're feeling. Whatever it may be, the good and the bad. But as we read on here, we're reminded of something really, really important. And that's, this, is, this, is, this, is, uh, this is really the essence of, of, if you like, the hope through this. Whilst we will have those times in our life where we will feel like or where we will give up and we're disillusioned, the really important thing for us to remember and that comes through in this passage is that God never gives up on us and God will never give up on you. And I know right now those words might just seem trite. They might seem words that, you know, something I've heard that so many times. Please don't, you know, don't, just don't. But there's a biblical truth there. And in verses 4, 5, and 6, and I won't read it all, um, it's amazing, isn't it, how God, in that place of, of, of absolute want for Elijah, as he's under that broom tree just wanting to die, God sends his angel. And he sends his, sends his angel to provide food and water. The basic need that Elijah needs at that time. Interesting, isn't it? It's the basic need. So he starts with the basic need. He doesn't just do it once, he does it twice. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your, your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And he, 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 he says that at least two or three times. And having been fed by the angel, he then moves to the mountain. 40, uh, over 40 days, he moves towards a mountain where he, um, again, he sort of rests. And it's there on this mountain that, again, God comes to him. And God wants to remind him of his presence. And there on the mountain, you will, again, you will, many of you will know this story. God sort of sends a wind, but, but God doesn't specifically speak to Elijah in that wind. He sends an earthquake. But again, that's not how he specifically speaks to Elijah, at this point in time. How does he speak to Elijah? Again, the God of surprises. He speaks to him in a gentle whisper. But the important thing to note in this is that God is wanting to remind Elijah that he is with him. Elijah's given up. He wants to die. 
but God's not given up on him. How might God be wanting to speak to you during this time? How might God be wanting to speak to me during this time? I think that's a really important question for us to ask. One of the things that Andrew reminds us in this lovely book, which I've started reading, and I hope that you've got this book, When God Prunes You and Your Church Shrinks. Great, great title. He just reminds us that one of the most important things is to feed on God's word. You know, God provided Elijah with the basic needs at that time. Well, God has provided us with the most profound word, food, for each and every one of us. And so as we ask this question, how might God speak to us? You know, unless we, unless we have that privilege of, 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 of being like Elijah, where God comes and actually is there in presence, you know, how might he speak to us? Well, one of the things that we can, we can, we can be sure of is that he does and he will speak to us through his word. And again, I just want to say to you, if you're in that place right now in the desert and you're in that wilderness, I recognize you might not even at this moment in time be reading the Bible. You might just not want to. But at the very least, I'd really encourage you just to try and remember some of the passages of God's word his written word, that have spoken to you over the years. Even if it's just one word, even if it's just one verse, and cling on to it. I've had times recently where I've been walking and, 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 and speaking out aloud, and people who probably have seen me have probably thought I'm a complete nutcase, where I've been saying to you, Father, I refuse to accept that your word is not true. I refuse to accept that. And I've clung on to, to passages like Proverbs 28, 25, 26, 27, where it talks about when we put our trust in God, we will prosper. It doesn't mean to say that we're suddenly going to become rich. But actually, God does want to bless and to enable us to fulfill the purpose that he has called us to fulfill. That's all I want in my life. Isn't, isn't that what you want? Just to fulfill his purpose? I don't want anything more than that. Psalm 20, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Love that. Psalm 91 talks about being under the shelter of, of, of this amazing God, that place of safety. So if you're in that place right now, if you're in that wilderness place right now, God is wanting to speak to you. And one of the ways he will be wanting to speak to you most powerfully of all and me is through his word. And if you have right now, if you have for a while just been thinking, you know, saying, I just don't, I just, you know, I've, just, I've had it. Please, please don't give up on, on his word. It will be food for that moment in time, whatever that moment in time is. How else might he speak to you and me, people and friends? One of the dangers, I think, when we find ourselves in that place of wilderness is that we can isolate ourselves. And I know, I know at times I have done that. 
you also, in that place of wilderness, you also learn who your true friends are. Actually. When the going gets tough, who's there? I'm blessed to have the most amazing family. I feel so blessed. Particularly an amazing wife, amazing daughters. How else might he speak to us? Unexpected words of encouragement. To share with you a couple of things. Um, two weeks ago, we came to church, or whenever it was. It might have not been two weeks ago, but I said to the Lord before coming, I said, Lord, I really need to hear you speak today. I really do need to hear you speak. The, the service was wonderful. It was a real blessing. But I hadn't felt that God had spoken directly to me. And, I, you know, I wasn't disappointed because it had been a blessing. But, but, um, but then just before we left, we were talking to someone here. And this particular person, as we were talking, just said, do you know something? I've got this picture. Totally out of the blue. I'm holding on to that picture. I'm not saying that that person necessarily, I believe that person is right with the picture. But I don't want to put unnecessary pressure on that person <laughs> because at times we do get things wrong. We're humans. But all I'd say is that at times God will give us unexpected words of encouragement. Be expectant for that. And then what I'd also say was, was last week, what a blessing that couple were. God, didn't you feel humbled to be in their presence? I did. And I'll, I'll confess, the Saturday before last Sunday, we as a family met together, and Janice and I basically just said, we're done. And then we came here on a Sunday. We listened to what was shared. And uh, what was it that Maggie said as we went away? <laughs> so, really the point is this, is that sometimes we can read these passages and we can think, well, that was, you know, that was great for Elijah because actually God did come through to him. He did speak to him. And you know something? He picked him up. But actually, he's the God of the now too. I'm moving on. <coughs> We're wrapping up. But this is the one thing just to take note of. And if you like, this is the slight downer on the story. Because as, as I said, when God asks Elijah what's going on, you know, he has this reply. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. As I said, three times God asked him that question. I think it's either three or four times. He asked, that, he, he asked him that question. Three times Elijah gives him the same response. And even after the angel provided for him twice... And even after taking him to the mountain and revealing his presence in the most amazing way he does, at the end of the passage, God asks him the same question. And Elijah gives him the same answer. That's sad, isn't it? I find that sad because, because that says to me that actually Elijah hadn't moved on. And whilst I'd say to any one of us who are in that place of wilderness, in that place of 
just giving up. God wants to assure us not only that he is with us, but he also wants to pick us up and move us on. We don't necessarily know the time for that. I'm not saying for one moment, come on, pick yourself up, let's get going. Not at all. But the point is this, is that we can't stay in that place of wilderness and want. That's not where God wants us to stay. He will allow it for a time, and he will assure us of his presence during that time. But he will also want to say, come on, now let's move forward. And as I just reflected on that story, it just struck me that actually Elijah wasn't able to do that. And then he hands over the baton to Elisha. So, thank you for inviting me to speak. It's been a real blessing. And, um, and thank you, all of you, for just welcoming us as a family. As I say, we don't know how long we're going to be with you. I'd love it if we're going to be with you for a long time. But particularly for anyone this morning who feels that you are in that desert, desert place, would you mind if I pray? Is it all right? Okay. Should we just, should we just, um, would you mind, would you mind just shutting your eyes? And I'd like, and I'd like to ask, I want to ask those of you with people's eyes shut, I want to ask those of you who feel that you are in that, that wilderness, that, that desert place, I want to ask you to stand. Thank you. 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 And I want to pray for you. Thank you. Father, I thank you so much for these very, very, very special people. Everyone here, every one of you, you are so special in this room. But Father, for each of these people who stand, feeling just in that, that wilderness, feeling in that place of great need, of confusion, whatever it may be, of, of feeling like that perhaps they've just given their all and now they just like, they just, they've just given up. Father, I pray in the power of Jesus' name that you'd come and that you'd minister to each one in the power of Jesus' name. Power of Jesus' name. In the 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 power of Jesus' name. And in the power of Jesus' name. Would you minister, Father? you minister? Would you minister? Would you meet, would you meet these people, Father, in their deepest need? And would you break the chains that would prevent them from knowing your blessing? 
at this time in their lives. So you speak to them powerfully, Lord. Just as I ask you to speak to me. We love you, Father. We trust you. We put our faith in you afresh this day. I just I just close by saying this that I just feel again please forgive me I'm human I might have this wrong but I just feel God wanting to say to one or two of you do do take a seat yeah do take a seat I just feel like God's wanting to say to one or two of you it's okay to weep I think one or two of you need to weep and that's not to put pressure on you to weep now I, pr- I, I, I that might be a word for me actually but you know it's okay to weep. Some of you need to weep. Amen.